Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. Heaven is not yet full. I know of no better reason that explains why we are changing as a church in the new year. If you want to know why Liquid is becoming a multi-site church, why we are going to be four locations over the next two years, why would we risk what's familiar, what's comfortable to all of us, sacrificing that and take a huge step to reach and serve people who aren't even here yet? Why do that? It's simple. Heaven is not yet full. I think it's one of the most exciting times, honestly, to be alive. And I'm Pastor Tim. I want to welcome you to the conclusion of our Unstoppable 2010 series. And if you're listening or watching online, I want to give a special welcome to you because really this is all about reaching and serving you. People who may not physically be present here in Morristown or even New Brunswick uh, for that matter, but a world away, different time zone, different hemisphere, but all in the need of the same God, Jesus Christ, to change their lives because heaven's not yet full. Uh, That was the simple impulse that drove the early church in the book of Acts, and I want to invite you to take your Bible in your seat and actually turn there with me. Acts tells the story of how the early church grew and spread virally. It fanned out from Jerusalem. It cut across social strata, all economic classes and national borders, and created this new, not organization, an organism known as the church. And it had just one leader over everybody. Jesus Christ was the senior pastor. He still is. But he he delegated authority and leadership to the apostles. He filled them with his own spirit. And we left off last week in Acts chapter 6, which told how the early church got it. They realized it's all about strategic service, applying their heart and their hands to the place of greatest demand. And so together, they came together. They said, no one's more important than the the other. And together, we are going to care for the least of these, the down and out, the powerless, Widows with no food. And what was the result? This was the last verse we read, Acts 6, verse 7. It said simply, so the word of God, what? It spread from Jerusalem to Judea, actually all the way to Rome and beyond borders. In fact, check this out. I want to give you a a, a connected dots for you of the New Testament here for a minute. After Acts, you'll notice, what's the name of the next book in the Bible? Anybody? You can peek. Go ahead. Romans. Yeah, it's actually not a book. It's a letter written by, you guys know, anyone? The Apostle Paul. In other words, the gospel, when it began, let me connect the dots on Google Map for you here. Um, I got Google Earth, and this is actually, it began in Jerusalem, and this is where it's interesting. Because at this point in Jerusalem, it wasn't even called Christianity. It was just followers of the way. But at the end of the book of Acts, Paul leaves Jerusalem and takes a 3,000-mile trip. And he actually goes all the way on the other side of the world, all the way over to Rome. And as he set sail there, 2,000 miles, he wrote this letter to the Italian Christians in Rome. And this is kind of interesting because check this out. Romans is a letter from Paul to this church that he planted in Rome. And here's the deal. The Roman church had no New Testament at this point. The gospels weren't even being circulated in written form yet. So in other words, this letter called Romans that Paul wrote was probably the first piece of Christian literature European believers had ever seen. This this letter you have in your hand. And after Romans comes Paul's next letter. He wrote two of them to the church at where? Corinth. Corinthians. Take a look at this. This is where he actually, it's in present day Greece. So in other words, it went from there to Greece. And Paul planted a church there in Corinth. It was a strategic city. But after that comes Galatians. And anybody know where that is? That's present day 
Turkey, actually. Yeah. So in other words, 49 AD, 55, the word of God spread. And then you have Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is actually right here on the Aegean Sea. It's on the, the tip, the edge of Asia Minor. It was the main route from Rome to the Orient. Now, how are all these related? A lot of you guys kind of wonder, you're like, where does this like New Testament come from? Where, where I didn't, how did, how did Amazon put, uh, dot com put all that together? After the Gospels, the bulk of the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote and he distributed them to these churches he planted, what we're calling campuses. And Paul was kind of, he was a smarty. He picked strategic cities and he followed commercial trade routes. So he chose key cities because why? They had a density of population. People lived and worked there, so he went right to the marketplace, and they had regional influence. In other words, they were crossroads where people traveled and traded and fanned out kind of across the region. Ergo, that's one of the reasons why we're planting liquid campuses and hotels across New Jersey. Because what we found is most Hyatts are in the center of the marketplace in our state. Here in Morristown, we're literally in the heart of Morris County, northern New Jersey. In New Brunswick, our next stop, that's the county seat of Middlesex County. It's home to Johnson & Johnson and Rutgers University. It's the kind of center of commerce and learning. Those are strategic cities in New Jersey. They're intentional picks by our church. But notice something, the role that technology played in the spread of the gospel in Paul's day. And you're like, what technology? I don't quite get it. Because we're all texting and email people. But the bleeding edge technology of Paul's day, brand new, first century, was what? Letter writing. Now, for those of you under 30, here's what that is. It involved taking paper and you would take, yeah, you'd actually, because Paul planted these congregations in scattered cities, he couldn't be physically present in person, so he used the technology of pen and paper. We use pixels, he used paper. That's literally why we have the New Testament. So he could broadcast them to different congregations. In other words, same mission, different methodology. In many ways, Paul pioneered the first multi-site church network in the world in the first century using what we think is primitive technology, paper and pencil. But it was high-tech stuff in the first century. Paul was bleeding edge. In fact, he summarized his, his missional strategy in a very memorable passage in his first letter to the, to the Corinthians. Do it with me, would you? We'll work off of 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23 tonight. And you're going to get an inside look into the mind of the Apostle Paul. And I think this lays out a foundational principle for where our church is headed in 2010 and beyond. Here's what Paul writes in this letter. He says, though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to do what? To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. In other words, Paul's like, it doesn't break that down for you. He's literally like, when I encounter religious people, I enter their world. If they're Jews, I'll go Old Testament. If they're pagans in Greece, I'll talk Greek philosophy with them. I'll go anywhere. And then he says, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. And now here's the key verse. Let's read this together. Nice, loud voice. I have become what? All things to who? All men, so that by what? All possible means I might save some. Would you underline that phrase by all possible means? What's Paul saying here? He's like, wherever I go, whatever I do, I have a very simple principle that drives my vision. My goal is to bring the gospel to a new place to reach new people using whatever new methods are at my disposal. 
And people were like, you mean you're going to go to the, like a pagan city like Corinth? And he's like, by all means. They're like, you're going to travel trade routes from Asia and Europe? By all means. You're not even going to be at the churches. You're going to write letters and kind of download the doctrine into a church in Rome? By all means possible for the sake of the gospel. I've got a little name for Paul's principle here in 1 Corinthians 9. I call it the BAM strategy of missions. I drop out the P, by all means, BAM. Because people were like, Thessalonica is a decadent seaport. There's like pirates and prostitutes. And he's like, yeah, BAM, by all means, we're going there. A church in Rome, Caesar is there. I don't know if you know that in the shadow of the emperor. He ain't going to like that. And Paul's like, yeah, I don't really care. BAM, we're going there, by all means. I become all things to all men, so that by all means I might save what? Some. I'll do anything short of sin for the sake of the gospel. That was literally the bottom line. Would you look at verse 23? He says, I do all of this for what? The sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. See, Paul's giving us an amazing principle here about leadership. In other words, we are to have a closed hand when it comes to the message. The gospel itself never changes. But we are to have an open hand when it comes to our methods, which are always changing and always innovating the ways that we are the church. The message, what Paul calls the gospel, and you've heard that word before. You're like, what exactly is that? It's Greek for the good news. That never changes. The gospel in the first century is our gospel today in the 21st century. If you're wondering what that good news is, Paul's like, it's literally what Paul told people. He's like, here's the good news. Jesus Christ is God who became a man. He died on a cross in your place for your sins, according to these scriptures. Three days later, he was raised back to life, and that's how you can have a new life. It is the only way on earth to be made right with God. You can only be justified by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Jesus. Because on the cross, he took your sin on himself, and he gave you his righteousness. Get that? His new life for your old life. That's how you're made right with God. That's good news. That is news everybody needs to hear. And that is the essential Christian faith from the first century unchanged till today, the 21st century. That's what we believe here at Liquid in New Jersey, the 21st century. The message, timeless, closed fist. But the methods of communicating that message, always changing. The ways we do church, always innovating, open to new technology and approaches. Closed hand message, open hand methods. And this is the bigger principle behind the change that we're going to be undergoing in January. Because I told you, change is coming to Liquid in two ways. The first is that we're becoming a multi-site church. Our first campus here in Morristown, then New Brunswick on the 11th of January, and then maybe Montclair or Essex County. We won't be using letter writing. We'll be using broadcast video to using our, keep our teaching and our vision aligned. It's actually not that different from circulating uh, Paul's distribution of letters across his network of New Testament congregations. The idea is that we doctrine is downloaded in, But on a local level, there's authentic community and homegrown leadership. We care for one another on a local level. But secondly, come January, we're going live with our internet campus. Bam! A bleeding-edge technology to take the gospel to all people by all means. That was unthinkable, honestly, five years ago. And uh, and some of you are like, oh, yeah, I thought thought we already have an internet campus. Isn't that what that Australian dude is always walking around here is, is all doing? No, we don't. What we have is archived video of messages like this for people to watch. But here's the deal. On January 11th, when we go live in New Brunswick, we also are going to be streaming the entire worship service live on the internet, including the music, including interacting here with the people in this room, online life groups that literally have no borders. Anyone, anywhere in the world will be able to log on 
plug in and participate with the service going on live here in this room in Morristown. You getting all that? I'm not getting all that because I'm like, what? What? How's that work? If you have a hard time absorbing all the change on the horizon, here's the deal. You're not alone. In fact, you're actually in very good company. Um, the history of the Orthodox Church is the history of people wrestling with the tension of new technology and innovation. I mean, after Paul, quite honestly, the Christian church remained unchanged until about the 13th century. And that's when the apple cart got tipped over. It literally got kicked over because new technology was introduced. Do you know what the bleeding edge technology that was so controversial was that caused an uproar in the church? Anybody know? Pews. I kid you not. For the first 1,200 years of Christianity, people stood for public worship. 1,200 years. In fact, can we just go back for a minute? Let's go retro, 12th century, to see what this is like. Everyone stand up. Go ahead. Stand up in this room. Stand up if you're watching or listening online. For 1,200 years, everybody stood for two to three hours for a public reading of Scripture. That was just how they did church. It's like, well, why'd they do that? Well, there were no mass-produced chairs. Uh, And also, respect for the word. You stand up when the Bible's read. But then in the 13th century, somebody said, uh, what if we actually had people sit down? And everyone went, no. Yeah, we could carve like a big wooden bench. They could all sit down. And people were like, I do not see pews in the Bible here. I I just don't see this. But they were like, all men, all means to save some. And people sat down. Bam! Should we try it? Do you want to try the new technology? Let's do it. Let's be seated. Let's try the new technology together. Amazing! Go ahead. Go! We're pretty thankful for this technology. The debate over pews paled in comparison to the next controversy in the 14th century. It was that infernal, God-forsaken instrument known as the organ. You talk, I'm not kidding. You talk about a bloodbath because up to this point, the organ was a secular instrument used in one venue down at the pub to sing drinking songs. I'm not kidding you. It was used to sing pub songs while people hoisted a pint. And a guy named Martin Luther came walking into the bar and he said, by all means, bring it in the church. And people went, no way. It literally was like a street fight in the church because Martin Luther said, we're going to put theology to organ songs, and people got upset. They said, you can't haul that pagan instrument in here and throw Jesus on the end of bar songs and say it's church. It's too worldly scandal. But guess what? Bam! By all means. And by the 15th century, the organ became the new normal, and the singing improved. And, and, and quite honestly, people learned theology because they could sing it. They didn't have printed Bibles at this point. So Luther had the idea that If we could get people to sing it, maybe they could learn it for themselves. Imagine that. New technology. The biggest game changer came in the 16th century because this Bible that you have right now in your lap, you can thank a guy named Johann Gutenberg for that, who invented what? Yeah, the printing press. And you talk about an innovation that changed everything. Because up to that point, only priests and bishops had access to an actual printed version of Scripture. There was no such thing as like a personal Bible that you read for yourself. There were no study tools. There were no resources. But Gutenberg had a vision. He had a BHAG. You know what his BHAG was? Take the Bible and give it to the people. Imagine if we put one of these in everyone's hands and we let people read God's word for themselves. And people were like, that's a dangerous idea. And you know what it was? Because it gave birth to the Reformation. People had Bibles in their hands, and Luther was like, did you start reading it? And they're like, yeah. 
And they start discovering that we do all sorts of things in church that's not even in here. And all of a sudden, they had the chance to read like Paul's letters for themselves. And he was like, read Ephesians. Read that letter he wrote to the Ephesians. People were like, wait a minute. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. It's not the stuff that we do that makes us acceptable. So that no one can boast, wait a minute. I've been coming in here for centuries, lighting candles, putting a coin in the alms and the penance. And he's like, that's man-made religion. It says here it's about grace. Yes. God's gift of his son, Jesus. He died for all your sins. That's how you're saved. The church doesn't save you. Only Jesus can. And what was the result? People protested. And Protestantism was born. That's literally where we get the word Protestantism. We protest. Down with religion. It's about grace. Trust in Jesus, not the church. And Christianity was literally reformed. That's what gave birth to the Reformation. But what fueled it? What was behind it? The printing press, the Bible, on paper, in your hands. Imagine that. Bam! By all means. In the 19th century, a light bulb went on. Literally. Talk about a game changer. Because electricity and light, people were like, you mean we could meet at night? A lot of us in the room, and we, we don't have to burn the place down with candles? Yes. Light and electricity. And they began building large rooms like this one, concert halls and, and uh, in public gathering spaces. And by the late 19th century, loudspeakers and, and microphones, and they plugged things in, and that breakthrough in audio actually impacted the way the gospel was communicated to the masses forever. Check this out. This is a picture of George Whitfield. He was a great Protestant preacher. Um, in his life, Whitfield preached 18,000 sermons to 10 million people. That, that's something. Um, largest crowd he ever spoke to was estimated to be 30,000 people in an open field outside with no microphone. He was before microphones. 30,000 people. Can you imagine like, projecting your voice to, re- to share the gospel? His biography records how after his sermons, he would literally cough up blood because his vocal cords were so ravaged. And then came radio and Billy Graham who said, by all means, what if it wasn't about speaking to as many as you can yell? But what if they didn't even have to be in the room? And they just heard your voice. And people said, Billy Graham, you devil. You're a sellout. How dare you? The radio? And when that was introduced, Billy Graham ended up speaking to 210 million people live in stadiums and another 300 million over the radio and television. By all means, I'm glad Brother Billy sold out and plugged in. By all means, to all men, so that we might save some. Message, closed fist, methods what? Open hand, always changing and always changing who we are as a church. You see the pattern here. Technology changes everything. But when it's first introduced, it's controversial. In the 20th century, the first motion picture projector was invented by, does anybody know? New Jersey's own Thomas Edison. Check this out. Edison was a Christian. And when he invented the first movie projector and screen, he gave the patent to his church as a gift. Who rejected it? Oh, you talk about a Homer Simpson moment right there. Now, I don't know if we want the newfangled technology and her images, idolatry, all of it. I don't know. They rejected the movie projector. In the 20th century, the, 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 the seven out of the first 10 movies ever made, by the way, had the word passion in the title because it was about the life of Jesus Christ. So the medium of film first used by the church. Movies in church, appoint people to Jesus, bah humbug. No, bam, by all means. And this is where it just kind of gathered steam and takes off because in the early 20th century, TV came into existence. And here's your factoid of the day. You can act smart. 
today, there are more screens in churches across America than in the movie theaters of America. What? Wait, say it again. There are more screens today in the churches of our nation than in the movie theaters of our nation. Think about this. One, two, three, four, five, six in the lobby, seven, eight, nine at Liquid Kids. There are nine screens more in our, in our churches than in theaters across the nation. Now, I want you to think right now about how many people in Hollywood has trying to create content to fill screens in movie theaters. Question, how many people in the church right now are trying to figure out creative ways to leverage this technology by all means to communicate the gospel in a way that saves some? It's something to think about. It's a massive opportunity. And churches that are on the front edge of figuring it out, there's going to be major breakthrough. Because, see, guys, I'm not talking about, like, like televangelism. To me, in the timeline of history, that is a historical setback in my book. I am talking about the shift from analog gospel to digital. What happened as recently as 15 years ago that changed our world forever. Yeah, Web 2.0. Talk about a paradigm shift. Google, Facebook, Yahoo, Twitter. Were those words in your vocabulary three years ago? Yeah. It just got made up. The internet is probably the biggest game changer technology of all it will be in our lifetime. And here's the deal. It is literally just getting started. It has moved this far. We are at the launching pad. What difference will the internet make by all means to spread the gospel? I want you to think about this. This is a picture of Francis Asbury. I went over to Drew University, took it. He is a founding bishop of American Methodism, and he was a circuit rider. Does anyone know what a circuit rider is? You got on a horse, and you traveled around from town to town preaching the gospel. You rode a circuit. In the 1700s, Francis Asbury traveled a quarter million miles on foot and horseback. And he preached 16,000 sermons. He founded the Methodist Church in the early 1800s. And if it was like, well, how fast did the gospel travel? The answer was this, as fast as the fastest horse can ride. In 2010, how fast will the gospel travel? Think about that, Fios. Today... This day, you are the last service of the day, I will have preached this sermon to 1,100 people in this room. On Tuesday, our technology team will upload it to our website, to Facebook, like, cast all our media portals on the web, but guess what? By Friday, week's end, this message will have been downloaded over 5,000 times on iTunes. And then it will be streamed live thousands of more times over the next month. And then it will be archived for eternity. Do you, do, you, do you get this? Together in this room, we are a fraction of the larger community out there of believers every week who unite around a common gospel message and serve together in Jesus' name. What's the connection to Francis Asbury? The average lifespan of a circuit rider in the 1800s was 30 years old, and then they dropped dead. <laughs> Why? Because they were always outside riding a horse in the rain mile after mile. Today, we don't rely on horsepower. We rely on bandwidth. And they're no longer factors. Because the gospel can be streamed and downloaded and uploaded and virally distributed to as many people who have the simple audacity to go, (gasps) click, by all means. Folks, we're on the precipice of something amazing. And that's why I kind of want just to connect the dots for you from Acts to the organ, Paul to the printing press. It's like Macedonia, multi-site... Circuit rides your cinema screens. Whenever there is a breakthrough in technology historically, the Spirit of God seems fond of leveraging that new technology to bring the gospel of Christ to unreached people. In fact, check this out. It's happening right now, right here in our church, in this room as we speak. 
you know, talk about a God thing. Um, I knew that I was going to kind of close this Unstoppable series with this kind of ancient future look at church history. But what I didn't know is that I would get these four rock your socks emails over the last two weeks. Honestly, I believe the, that God inspired these four people. Dave, Dave, Katarina, Anna, and Chris to write these letters to our church from around the world as a way of God saying, don't you forget, I'm fueling the future. You guys keep telling people about my son, Jesus, and I'm, just get out of the way because my spirit's going to work. This first one is from Dave in Northern Ireland. Dave said, this email is just a message of thanks to you guys at Liquid for helping me get my life back on track and helping me find Christ. I'll be honest, I always found religion boring. And to be honest, I never really believed. But since listening to you guys via iTunes every Wednesday for the past six months, I have finally found Christ. I have suffered all my adult life with anxiety and depression, and to be honest, life wasn't working. I can finally now say, for the first time, I feel peace in my heart because of Jesus Christ. I only wish I could attend your services, but unfortunately, I live in sunny Northern Ireland. Hopefully one day I will. Best regards, Dave. A man in Northern Ireland will spend eternity in heaven with all of us in this room. Bam! Dave, we love you, brother. Welcome to the family. Can we welcome Dave to the family from Northern Ireland? Awesome. Katarina says, Dear Tim, I want to thank you and all the other liquidites for the great job you're doing in my life and the world. My life so far has been very hard emotionally. I was raised in a family affected by alcohol and dysfunctional relationships. And on top of that, I had to leave my country, Slovakia, at the age of seven. Three months ago, I found your website through your podcasts on iTunes, and a new life started for me. You are the genuine Christians I was looking for. You're all honest in many ways, and I'm sure Jesus is very proud of his family over there in Morristown. You reached my life here in Italy and changed it forever. I strongly believe you can do anything. Yep, you guys in Morristown are indeed unstoppable. I don't have much money, but I'm happy to contribute even this very small sum because I know it's the best spent money of my entire life. If my life has been changed, imagine what the Lord can do through liquid when you grow even more. I have goosebumps if I think about it. Thank you for taking the time to read my words. Many greetings from Florence, Italy, where I now live. Katerina Dusakova. Katerina Dusakova. Bam! You reached into our life, sister, and thank you for the confirmation. Can we thank Katerina? Amazing. Anna sent this last Thursday, and she said this. My name's Anna. I live in Mexico City. I've been following your podcast for a month. I recently recovered my faith in God, mostly because of Liquid Sight and its media archive. Just a few minutes ago, I finished listening to the Shawshank Redemption, and I'm still crying over the loss of my hopes and the pain here all around me. But I am ready to surrender myself to the love of God and let Him heal my heart. Would you help me... Would you pray for me and for me? I believe in the power of praying, but don't have someone to ask and to pray with me. And then she ends with this question. Would you like to be part of my spiritual family? This is her question. Would anyone here like to be part of Anna's spiritual family? If so, why don't we just say, see si, together. See. Si. Te queremos, mi hermana. That is amazing. And we love you, sister. And Anna... Ana Cristina Vera Herrera, we are so glad you are part of our family. That is amazing. God's doing something in your life. 
the last one and did me because I got it this week. Brooks put it on my desk because the envelope simply, the address just knocked me off. It was actually one, it was a one sentence note. It said, thanks for the internet and the sermons I can watch while on tour overseas in Iraq. From Chris, Camp Copper, Iraq. And he said, here's an offering from a soldier who attends services at Liquid. While we are in this room in this moment, there is some dude in the middle of the desert in Iraq having church in his tent. Can we take a moment to broadcast our thanks to you, Chris, for all you sacrificed and served the way that you serve us? That is amazing. Yeah, people are standing up, Chris. That's what they're doing. But wait a minute, does that count as church? By all means, with whatever, we use all technology, all methods, so that by all means we might save and serve some. And see, folks, this brings our vision full circle. Because a big part of Liquid's 2010 vision is to take church to the people all over across the world using the internet. That's literally why we brought Pastor Dave and his family over from Australia. Because on January 11th, when we go live in New Brunswick, our internet campus goes live as well. Live worship, they'll be able to interact here with the message and live life groups online, materials, mess, all in real time. I want you to think about this because when you think about Paul taking it to Europe and Asia and Rome, when, on January 11th, when we're raising our hands in worship, here's what's going to happen. Somewhere out in the deserts right outside of Kuwait, which by the way, Iraq as we know is where the Garden of Eden started, between the Tigris and Euphrates River there, a guy named Chris is going to be standing up in his tent. And when you're struck with an insight from God's word and you go, oh, yes, that makes so much sense. A girl named Anna in Mexico City will go, see, yes, I see. And Dave in Northern Ireland, I don't know what Dave's, you know, he'll be like, like hoisting a pint and going, you know, that's a pirate. I don't know what that, I'm sorry, Dave. I don't know what that is. That's such a stereotype. Like, we're all drinkers and pirates now. That's not true. But you know, he's going to, it's going to happen. Sorry, it's six o'clock service. This is like. From Morristown to Melbourne, Belfast to Baghdad. It's going to happen. Why? Why? Not technology. It's because we took Paul's letter seriously in 1 Corinthians 9. We had become all things to who? All men. So that by what? All possible means I might save some. And we do it all for the sake of the gospel. If you think it's an exciting time to be alive, would you clap right now? I mean, I believe it is one of the most exciting times to be alive. Absolutely. Now, here's the deal. Right now, and I, we, you know, we just got to take a moment to chill for a minute because I understand, I understand like all, all the techno geeks in the crowd are like, this is awesome. Oh my gosh, just chill out. All right. Here's the deal. All this stuff, all the, the technology, the innovation, the cool stuff, listen to me. High tech don't mean a thing if the message is not high touch as well. With all the bells and whistles and bleeding edge, all that's great. But you know what? High tech stuff doesn't mean a thing if it's not high touch. Because in the 21st century, you know what the killer app is? Killer application? Love is the killer app. The method's always changing. But the message tracks back to one thing. Love. The love of Christ. Christ came for us because he loved us. Christ saved us because he loved us. Christ's love drives us. It's what overshadows anything else. This is literally how Paul finishes his letter to the Corinthians. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13? He breaks it down for them in his letter. And he says this, here's the deal. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, this is 1 Corinthians 13, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am what? Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul, who was the most forward thinking, progressive, take no prisoner, spread the gospel by all means necessary, mojo missionary to walk the face of the earth ever. And he says, when all the smoke clears and the dust settles and we're left standing before Jesus to give an account for how we led this church, what we invested ourselves in, he's like, what's it all come down to? Cool stuff. No. Love. First Corinthians 2.0 translation would read this. If I leverage all technology, right? Use Google to take the gospel of the ends of the earth, but have not love, I gain what? Nothing. Why? Because in the end, as it was in the first century, love is the killer app. The whole mission comes back to it. At the center of the closed fist message is a God who so loved all of Google earth, the whole world, that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in that son doesn't perish, but has everlasting life. But if that message isn't incarnated in love, it means nothing. The point is, you can be high tech, but if you ain't high touch, you'll spin your wheels in cyberspace. And this is why I'm excited. Because I believe, folks, that we as a church here at Liquid Church on November 23rd, 2008, have an unprecedented opportunity to be a church that is both high tech and high touch as we launch out in our 2010 vision for the next decade of ministry together. Not just here in New Jersey, but literally around the globe. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Um, this past summer, you guys know when we did the charity water walk, we had uh, about 1,000 people here in Morrison. You guys walked around the green, you hauled those two jerry cans of dirty water on behalf of the poorest of the poor in Africa. And it was awesome. It was yeah, a God moment in our journey. We walked, and, and together, God enabled us to, to build 20 freshwater wells in Africa. We'll, we'll catch this. While we were doing that here in New Jersey, on the other side of the globe, literally a world away, another local community of believers logged in, joined the journey to love and serve the world's poorest alongside us as well.
for Liquid Melbourne because what happened is because we took, we took church and served a, a group of people on another continent. They took Jesus to another continent, and in one weekend in the middle of Australian winter, it was, it was summer, here it was winter there, they did the water walk a week before us and actually dug a well of their own and provided clean, fresh drink water for an entire village in Ethiopia. That is amazing. 30 people in Melbourne, Australia, down, they get together every week, they download the message video. They meet in a warehouse. We don't even have a warehouse. That's their kid's space. They painted it. It's amazing. And they track along with us here in New Jersey because they said, by all means, we're going to serve too, even if it's halfway around the world. Folks, that's the power of a church that's high tech and high touch. We may connect via the computer, but we're united by compassion because it's about the love of Jesus and serving the poor and the least of these in his name. That's our bond. The point isn't a laptop. It's about loving Jesus. And together we make him visible around the world in lives of people. We may not even meet this side of heaven because heaven's not yet full. But together we become all things to all men by all means. So we could save and serve maybe some for the sake of the gospel. Well, here's a special part. Tonight we have the privilege of having two of the key leaders of Liquid Melbourne with us. Not virtually, but literally present in this room. Simon and Rebecca Young, would you guys stand up and give a warm welcome to Sim and Beck Young. There they are with us. Awesome to have you guys. Took them about 21 hours to fly over here and it was amazing. You guys arrived last Sunday night right after this service and it was the coolest thing because we thought, you know, will will they know anybody? And I said, what's it like walking in the Hyatt? They came in with their suitcases and some of you guys were downstairs and you were having some refreshments and stuff and it was bizarre because they walked in and everyone turned and went... Simon and back and they embraced them and welcomed them. I was like, wait, did you, have you guys met? And they're like, well, no, we know each other from Facebook. And they just started talking and picking up these conversations. And it was the strangest thing. That's what we mean by high tech, high touch. That is mind boggling to me. You know what it'll be like for my kids? Yeah. <laughs> Shoulder shrug. Why are they here? Well, they've been following along online and they heard about New Brunswick and volunteered to come and serve here for three months to help us get our new campus off the ground. You're going to be here for three months. We are so thankful for you guys. What's amazing, Sim is actually a designer, and he's going to be working with our creative team, working on the graphics and all that kind of stuff for the new year. But what's cool is that we've already been impacted, actually, by their, their, their serving. Um, you guys remember Rock God? Remember the billboard and all the, the graphs and all that stuff? We have Sim to thank for that. That was his graphics passage he created for that. Some of you tonight, you're wearing that Warrior T-shirt. You know who designed that Warrior T-shirt? Yeah, that, that, was, that was Sim, actually, 18,000 miles away. He just zip-filed that over to us. We are so thankful for you guys and the sacrifice you made to be here. Thank you so much, and we are inspired by you guys. Absolutely inspired. Amazing. Why is that possible? High-tech, high-touch. See, folks, this is the power of a church that is led by the Spirit but wired by the web. Make sure you say hi to Sim and Beck tonight. Our internet campus launches live in January under the direction of Dave Adamson, and that's going to open up a whole slew of new opportunities to get involved in serving online, connecting with others. Um, In fact, um, let me speak directly to those of you who are watching or if you're listening online right now. If you want to move from listening to actively serving through Liquid wherever you are in the world, we would welcome that. Please do not come here. That's okay. We're glad the youngs are here. We can't fit everybody. But if you live in another country... And you dial in online. And you know others who want to watch and you know, listen as well. Would you contact Pastor Dave Adamson? It's Dave at liquidchurch.com. He would love to get you plugged in and actively serving. 
There are all sorts of ways to do this. There are, we have people who are already going to lead and host online life groups. So a woman, I think, from Switzerland, um, form a regional one, kind of like they do in Melbourne, and get together and worship and eat and, and, and fellowship together and serve their community. But there's all sorts of ways to be involved wherever you are in the world, okay? Dave's talking about like virtual missions trip. I'm like, what is that? He's like, you don't even leave the room. And uh, so great time to get in on the ground floor. Amazing potential. The message, never changing. The methods, by all means. High tech always bounced by high touch. And that's why next Saturday, we are leading the way, not with bells and whistles, but with love for the new city we're bringing the gospel to. It was cold out today, wasn't it? Did you wear a good jacket? Some of you are like, oh no. This is my good jacket. This is my, I don't have a motorcycle, but I like to think that I do. And I pretend that I'm a cool motorcycle guy. And it was cold this morning. And here's the deal. It's very exciting to take the gospel to a new city, uh, New Brunswick. But at the end of the day, we know it's not about tech. It's, it's, it's about love. And showing Jesus to people, no strings attached. And um, when we go, the, the early Christians, that's why the church spread. It, it, because they understood compassionate service gives wheels to the words because love's the killer app. And so when we go to the New Brunswick um, this, this, this new year, um, we're leading the way with love. And, and on your way in today, you received a hanger. Can you pull that out from underneath your chair? You guys pull that one out. Next Saturday, as we take the gospel to New Brunswick, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., we're going to host a citywide outreach in the heart of New Brunswick at Monument Square with the goal of giving away brand new and like new coats and jackets to the entire homeless population and underserved families across the city. And literally, the goal is this, to give the coat off your back, the one you wore in today, to someone you've never met before. For the sake of the gospel, by all means. This is my coat. This is the one I'm giving. Tom Kang wanted to steal it. I was like, you're not going to fit it. Sorry, you just can't. Would you give your coat today, tonight. And here's the deal. Some of you are like, dude, have you been outside? You know what temperature it is? I do actually. And you don't have to give the coat that you wore tonight. That's okay. Some idiotes did this today. You probably saw their, their, their coat racks out there. It's actually filled up. But what we ask you is this, would you take this hanger home this week and give your best and actually bring your jacket next Saturday as we fan out to serve the city together? You can give your jacket this week. You can bring it to our office here in Morristown, the one New Brunswick, or just bring it on Saturday. What we're going to do, we've worked with the social service agencies in New Brunswick. They have identified the, the, the families that are, are the neediest at this point. And what we're going to do is we are going to actually fan out across the city. We're going to give hot chocolate. We need people to do all sorts of different things. But we're going to have a lot of fun. And the whole idea is we want to just love on our neighbors and say we're here to serve, no strings attached, because that's how we lead. We lead with love and the humility of heart. So that's my, that's my question for you. Um, if you are interested in serving, we have laptops in the lobby. Um, Pastor Mike and Danielle will be out there to assist you. Um, make sure you sign up because we will email you all the logistics, the details, and directions. But here's the deal. Don't bring the junk in your trunk. You know what I'm talking about? Because some of you are like, oh, you know what? I have this crummy little jacket from five years ago. My members only. I'll be passing that off. No, 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 no. That's not love. That's not sacrifice. Christ gave his best as life. And so what we're asking is, would you be willing to give your best? I spoke with a single mom after the, uh, after the four o'clock. She was very emotional because she was at the sneak peek on Wednesday night. And she heard about this jacket outreach. And she's like, I was a single mom. I raised five kids on my own. 
And she goes, and when they were grown, they bought me this jacket. This is kind of a leather trench coat, she says. And I called them this week and said, could I give that? Would it bother you? And they said to her, they said, mom, if it helps another single mom who is raising kids on her own, by all means. And so she put her leather trench coat on that rack out there. That's an amazing story because it's about your heart. Folks, there's no more exciting time in my estimation to be alive because God is up to something and we get to be in on it. I feel like we're on the tip of the waves and in the 21st century, we're going to see unprecedented opportunities to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, in ways we haven't even imagined yet. There is no better moment to die to ourselves, our closed hands, our small thinking, our this is the way we've always been, apathy of heart, and come alive. And open our hands, open our heart, awaken to God's spirit and say, by all means, Jesus, use me. Use my life. I'll give everything for your vision, for your glory, for your glory, Jesus, because it's about you. We get to be a part of it. In fact, let's do that right now. Can we stand together and consecrate this moment just to God? Let's pray together because we're going to go out and serve. Father, from the very beginning, you've built your church. It's built on a solid rock, your son, Jesus. And there's no one like you, Jesus. We thank you and we love you. Thank you, Father. Your church is the only thing in our, our world that's going to last into eternity. Lord, you said the gates of hell can't prevail against the church it's led by your spirit. So, Lord, look over your people right now in this room, in that warehouse in Melbourne, Lord, across the world. We ask your blessing, Lord, on all we do on Chris in Iraq in 2010 and beyond. Lord, heaven isn't full. Greater things are going to happen. Greater things are still to be done in this city, in Morristown, New Brunswick, in New Mexico, around this globe you so love. So come, Jesus, stir us, empower us. Keep us bold in our approach and yet humble in our heart. By all means, for the sake of your gospel, the glory is yours, Jesus. And all God's people said together,